Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to The Selfie Show. It's your girl, Tori. And Sam. Two besties bring you all things healthcare, humor. And unpopular opinions. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, this episode was so long ago, I don't even know if we were doing unpopular opinions or if we were doing, were we doing yeah, like, single I don't girl, remember. married girl advice back then? We might have been. I don't even know. <laughs> huh. Oh, here but we go. anyways, the whole point of that is because this episode is a re-release from June 1st, 2021. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we very rarely do this, but this was an episode. Rarely. Very we've special. Never. We've yes. never. We've this never. The only never. time. Good point. Yeah. And we felt that this was a topic we really, really wanted to highlight and help all of us understand. So we wanted to re-release this. This is an, a really special episode, very timely with the Lindsay Clancy postpartum psychosis that just with the recent, how do I say that? Yeah. Honestly? Well, the her suicide attempt and the death of her three children and the pending charges and how that she's still in a mental health facility right now and you know how that's going to unfold but it's kind of rocked us as a nation and shook us because we haven't seen something like this happen so on this scale in a long time and it's it's shocking it's hard for us to understand but we're re-releasing this episode because christina the guest from this episode not only is she also a nurse postpartum like Lindsay was but she also is a survivor of postpartum psychosis and spent time in inpatient treatment and goes over her story today so it's really good she's an advocate also for maternal mental health perinatal mood disorders and anxiety disorders and she also has a really fabulous organization that she has started which she will get into in this episode but we just yeah, we wanted to release this with for you guys. So thank you for uh, tuning in. Okay, unpopular opinion of the week. This one is by far going to be the most iconic yet. We're going to get so much heat Don't for this one. Don't cancel us. Do not cancel us for this opinion. Don't cancel us. Okay, ready for it? Friends is overrated. Boom. <laughs> it really is. Okay. I was a Friends fan. Hear us out. Hear us out. I was a Friends fan. Like, I watched it in real time. Okay. Like, when Ross was on a break, I was, like, very invested. Yeah. I was like, dude, he was on a break, Rachel. Chill. Come on now. I was super, like, when Monica and Chandler came together, I I was so just like, I want this to work. And it did. And it was, like, I was very much a fan and invested. Now, when I want to watch it back on like stream it or whatever, I it doesn't have the same zest to me anymore. There was a time and a place for it, and now it's over. Okay, so here's my thing. Super iconic, right? Obviously, yeah. like the show of shows. It, it was this was like the Rachel I think, haircut it, for the Rachel haircut. Like ever to this day, the Rachel haircut is still a thing. Like every Rachel's style is coming back. I mean, let's yeah. be real. True. Yes. But this whole like reunion thing. And I mean, I was great. It was cute. Jacob, of course, was the one to put it on because first of all, Jacob husband is number one, like friends fan. He knows all the quotes. It's embarrassing. Jacob, like he will literally be I put him on blast like that. I am putting him on blast here. He two of my best friends and Jacob were the ones in our household that were doing all the friends quotes. And we put it on and it was good. But I'm just kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's a little overrated. And we're trying, we're bringing it back. And I get it. It was great when it was great, but it's done. So let's leave it in the past. (laughs) I don't care. But we love it. I'm here. I'm here for it. But yeah, it's just, it's kind of like Disneyland. It's a little overrated. But those churros, though. Oh, yeah. You know what? Those churros. All right, you guys, we are so excited about the guest of this week. 
This week, we have Christina Delaney. She's a nurse. She's a mom and a postpartum psychosis survivor. She's been a registered nurse for 10 years. She has actually founded a nonprofit called Cherish Moms and is dedicated to educating moms, families, and the community. And she's also co-founded a local organization in her community with dedicated professionals making changes in the postpartum world. She spent two weeks in the psychiatric unit at five and a half months postpartum. She shares her story to ignite change, share information, resources with hope for a movement in supporting moms and their families surrounding the number one complication of childbirth, perinatal mood, and anxiety disorders. She's made it her mission to help other moms and families as they're not blindsided like she was even as a nurse. And I think this is so important to talk about because we are nurses and so often we as even healthcare providers are faced with these things and we don't even see it. So we also want to leave this before we hop into the show, you guys, a very awesome free resource for you if you guys are in need or know someone who is postpartum who may need some help visit www.postpartum.net for lots of information and resources for you guys. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into the show. First off, we're really fascinated by people's journeys. We really like to kind of get behind the scenes and learn about people. So for people who don't know you, are not familiar with you, what's your story? My story kind of starts when when I gave birth and I never imagined or thought that I would be where I am today, educating women and families around perinatal mental health, because it was something I knew very, very little about. But my experience when when I was five and a half months postpartum and spending two weeks in a psychiatric unit with postpartum psychosis... um, sent me into my passion and making sure moms and families were educated around perinatal mood and anxiety disorders because I I didn't want them to experience it the way I did, especially coming from a nursing background and my husband being in the healthcare field too and having that education. And we were very blown away and very surprised. So I can't imagine us being in those fields that how other families feel. So I, yeah, I want all mothers and families to know about the realities, but not to scare them. But, you know, they don't teach you in birth and baby class that you can end up in the psych unit. I mean, it's not necessarily to scare you, but We should be talking about these things and normalizing the conversation around maternal mental health. Yeah, I 100% agree. Can we dive into your nurse background? What was that like for you? I've been a nurse, a registered nurse for, gosh, I graduated in 2008, so 12, going on 13 years now. And I originally, when I was in nursing school, I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse or pediatric nurse. Um, And when I did those rotations, I changed my mind pretty quickly. And I guess God just has a sense of humor to be like, oh, no, you're going to do something in that. So my experience completely led me in a different direction. And sometimes I'm like, what in the world am I doing? But, you know, when I followed up after my time in the psych unit and told my OBGYN, I'm a registered nurse. I knew nothing about postpartum psychosis, very little about postpartum depression. His response to me was, that's a heck of a way to find out about it. And 
that statement didn't affect me until a couple of years ago. And I was just like, this is not okay. I should not have found out about it that way. Again, I just didn't want any other families to find out about it the same way. What unit did you work on or area of nursing did you work in before you made this switch? I did home health and I've done marketing with skilled nursing facilities. I started my nursing career for two years in med surge. So I've spent a variety of settings, pre-hospital, post-hospital. When I was in nursing school, I did EMS. So I've spent some time in various settings. So I've done a lot. So a complete 180 though now. Yes, absolutely. It was definitely a 180. And I quit my job in marketing with a skilled nursing facility two and a half years ago to pursue full-time advocacy and ended up starting a nonprofit. And that's what I do all the time now. So I want to dive into a little bit about this. What is postpartum psychosis? Because I think there's a lot of understanding about it and, you know, how it manifests and things like that. So can you dive into that a little bit? There is. And I think it's one of the most stigmatized of the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And I truly believe if we can decrease the stigmatization around postpartum psychosis, we can decrease it among all of the mood disorders. But postpartum psychosis is also the rarest, affecting one to two in a thousand of um, birthing mothers. The onset usually happens within the first two weeks. For me, it happened at five and a half months. It can happen within the first year. But the symptoms are delusions, strange beliefs, hallucinations, seeing or hearing things, feeling very irritated, hyperactivity, paranoia, rapid mood swings, difficulty communicating at times. And it all of those things together are what make it a very urgent matter and an emergency and making sure that mothers get treatment quickly. When all this was happening for you, how how did this all begin? Like when did your family start seeing things or how did this journeys go for you? Like, how did this even start? The week leading up to my crisis is what I've referred to it as. I was very slightly hyper-religious. I was overly compassionate, but these things people thought something's kind of off, but they didn't think anything of it, except for, I guess I was just in a really good mood. I don't know. Until the Friday that it happened, I it, like it was a switch turned off and I was very outside of my mind. I quit my job that morning. I went to check on my pastor, which was very not like me. I was calling people I would not normally call. And at one point, my husband stepped outside. And fortunately, he was home that day because he was working that weekend. He stepped outside for a moment, and I literally thought Jesus was returning. And I grabbed up my kids, and I said, please save me, save us, save our children, save our friends. And he walked back in. He said, I was white as a ghost. And I passed out. And I'm saying that in quotes because it's like a pseudo passed out, like my mind made me pass out. And at that point, he appropriately called 911. And it was just, it was so bizarre, like looking at it, at myself and that situation from above and like a a true out of body experience. And I was just completely outside of reality. And I went to the ER and spent three nights or three days in the psychiatric ER and just things that they don't prepare you for, prepare your family. My husband couldn't stay with me that first night. 
he stayed in his truck because he couldn't be there. And at that point, we he had no clue what was going on. And there were times I didn't recognize him. I was calling him different names. So really, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know if I was going to get better. He didn't know where he needed to be. And he he didn't want to leave me. So and he didn't feel comfortable leaving me. So he literally stayed in his truck in the parking lot in case any they needed him for anything. And so I stayed there for three nights. And I don't think a clear diagnosis was made until either the next day or two days later. And we were literally 45 minutes away from the top, one of the only places in the nation for an inpatient unit for moms, which is at UNC, the, the perinatal inpatient unit at UNC. And they only have it's either five or six beds and they were full. They didn't have a bed for me. So I had to go to a general inpatient unit, which in my opinion is not appropriate for mothers, especially if they're nursing or they're among men. They're among other diagnoses, which is where I was. So I went to an inpatient unit and I was treated with antidepressants, antipsychotics, and an occasional injection to calm me down because I was very paranoid. And I also had a 24-7 sitter with me pretty much my entire time, except for the last night, because I remember that. I don't remember a lot, but I do remember that because we, when you have us at that particular unit, when you had a sitter, you couldn't participate in activities. You couldn't go eat with everybody. You had to stay in your room or on the unit. You couldn't go off. But the last night I didn't have a sitter with me and they had karaoke that night. So <laughs> I remember going to that. And so it is, there is a very scary, scary and traumatic time for not just me, but my family as well. Do you know anything about kind of the pathophysiology behind postpartum psychosis? Like, like why? Why that happens or what triggers it or anything like that, or even just kind of on a biological level? I know for me, I think it was a snowball effect of not sleeping very well because I went several nights of not sleeping. I had also quit breastfeeding about a month prior. So just the hormones and lack of sleep were just raging. And also the stress at my job was playing into that as well as I started my period literally while I was in the psychiatric unit. So, Is that the first one postpartum? The, yeah, yeah. So all of that together was just, I think, the perfect storm. They're currently doing studies at Massachusetts General of women that have been through postpartum psychosis within the last 10 years. They're collecting spit swabs and all of that to do genetic testing and things like that to see if they can dig deeper into what, you know, even more of what you're asking. But currently it's, I don't think a ton is known, but I, there there's studies going on to find out more. I'm really glad to hear that they're doing research on this. I know Sam and I are so passionate about mental health in general, and I feel like there's been such a lack of that kind of research going on. So I'm really glad to hear that that's coming as a forefront as a priority. Yeah, especially around postpartum psychosis. Well, even to just be recognized, because Tori still works as a NICU nurse. I was a NICU nurse for seven years. That's never come up in our education. And we have parents that are 
babies that stay in our unit up until almost a year old. So we're interacting with moms for the first year, like postpartum, and we've never been educated in any way, shape, or form about any postpartum mental health things. Like sometimes it's, oh, maybe we'll get a psych consult, but it's more in terms of, oh, how is mom coping with the baby's diagnosis? Or parents, how are they coping with baby's diagnosis? And we're kind of like have our eyes out for that. But I don't think we've had very minimal to none no, education I... in recognizing any even postpartum depression or anything like that. And so that's someone who works very closely in that field. So I can't imagine going through that and just even showing up into an emergency department where they don't even recognize this as a thing. There's such a lack of knowledge out there about this. Yeah, we've actually, even recently, we've had some situations where we had moms who clearly had some mental health issues. And it was so weird because even from the bedside, we felt very helpless. Like we didn't really know what to do. Like, do you send them to the ED? Do you where to direct them? Like, do you have social work do it? It's very all kind of confusing. And it's also hard to tell like what the signs are. And I do think we're in a very high risk area where we're with moms, NICU specifically, but also in pediatrics too, because you can still be with moms who have kids under a year. And we still don't have very good ed education on this. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are absolutely right. And you're hitting a passion point for me and for, I think, many other advocates around the nation where I think for me, being a nurse and having the experience that I did and surprisingly, a lot of the helping profession and other women I meet have been nurses or have been in the helping field, which is very interesting to me. But being a nurse and having that experience, I think I've been able to connect with the healthcare community to be able to not only educate, but share my experience and say, this is why it's important because I didn't reach out for help. I didn't feel comfortable reaching out for help and it almost cost me everything. And in the NICU setting, there are those, those parents are very high risk, but they're so focused on that baby and rightly so. But we also have to find that balance of how can we get them to focus a little bit on themselves and take a break when it's needed and practice that self-care. And so there's there's so many resources out there, too, for professional education and getting the the community and advocates involved and finding the resources that are out there for them. Can you dive into the differences between perinatal mood, anxiety disorders, and postpartum psychosis a little bit, like the differences between them. Yes. And I'm, I meant to mention that earlier. Postpartum psychosis is very much different than postpartum depression or anxiety or even OCD. And there's a fine line between postpartum OCD or perinatal OCD and postpartum psychosis. And kind of the difference between, or how I say the difference between postpartum psychosis and any of the other mood disorders is that we we think about intrusive thoughts, which many, many, many moms have these intrusive thoughts where, what if this happens? What if that happens? I don't want to say specific ones because I don't want to give them to anybody. But what if, what if, what if I, what if that? And 
the, those thoughts or like harm to the child yes. or the baby or things. Yeah. yeah and yeah, usually yeah. it is Where around, it is around the, the harm of the baby, the harm of themselves or something around that nature. But those thoughts usually scare them. They're bothered by them. They're very scary. When you deal with postpartum psychosis, those thoughts usually are protective in nature, but they're very real. They do not bother the mother. If they have that thought of, I need to do this because God told me so, or because I need to protect this baby and keep them safe. It's protective in nature, but they're very real, but it doesn't bother them. And that's kind of the the fine line of that. Now, postpartum depression, anxiety, all the other mood disorders. Let's start with baby blues. Baby blues typically last up to two weeks and about 70 to 80% of moms have them. Crying spells, feeling down. So this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about postpartum anxiety, depression, OCD, all of the others, which can manifest in different ways, but feeling restless, sad, or hopeless. We're crying a lot. Thoughts of, we can still have those thoughts of hurting the baby and ourselves, and we definitely want to find those resources if we're having those thoughts. We're not feeling connected to the baby, having no energy or motivation, eating too much or too little, sleeping too little or too much. So it can go both ways. Having trouble focusing or making decisions, having having memory problems, feeling worthless, guilty, or feeling like a bad mother. And then one thing that we don't talk about is having anger and rage, which is one thing I, I had, and it was a lot of times to the partner. I definitely had that even a week before my crisis. And it was hard for me to calm down and just, there was no reason for it. But the anger and rage is one we don't talk about near enough. But I think the one thing that moms, families need to know is that even dads, dads can, one in 10 dads can have postpartum depression. That's not something we talk about near enough either, but it's okay to seek help. They're not alone. There's so many advocates out there trying to share their stories, get the word out there and letting them know that it's okay to get the help that they need. Number one question that we get, how do you land your dream job? Well, first things first, you guys, dial in that resume. Are you ready for an easy-to-fill-in-the-blank solution for your resume and cover letter that will help you actually stand out in your job search? A resume is a chance for you to show off, and we want to make sure you look good. Yes, and we don't have time to fiddle around with writing resumes and cover letters when there are exams to be taken, lives to be saved, money to be made. Am I right? Girl, you are right. So you guys head over to spruce up your resume today. Head over to theresumerx.com forward slash shop and use code selfie for 20% off your templates and courses as well. Head over to theresumerx.com forward slash shop. Use code selfie for 20% off your order. All right, you guys, let's hop back into the show. So I'm a little curious kind of to stem off of that. What was your outpatient treatment like? Like, what was the follow-up like after this? What, what, how did that look? So I, when I got out, I had to go to intensive outpatient therapy, which was daily group therapy for three hours. And I was not a fan. I, and this is, this is for postpartum psychosis treatment. It's not what 
typical outpatient treatment would look like for moms who go through postpartum depression or anxiety. But this is what I went through. And I, again, I was still outside of reality after I was discharged. I was on medications that I never thought I would be on. The doctors and the staff, I don't think, did a a very good job talking about the side effects of those medications. And so when I was discharged, I couldn't be by myself. I couldn't be with my children by myself. I couldn't drive. I couldn't go back to work. There were so many stipulations put on me. At that time, I didn't really understand. And about, it was about exactly two weeks. I got very angry about everything that was going on. And I tried to jump out. And he was very quick to lock the lock button. At that time, I had to go back and get a reevaluation. I never didn't follow instructions of what the doctors wanted me to do. I always took the medications. I went to the group therapy. I did try to get out of group therapy every chance I got and try to take many vacations of what I would tell them. But at that point, they did not let me skip at all. At that point, I I always knew I had to get better. At that point, all the guns were we only had one gun, I think, was taken out of the house. All the knives were hidden. So if I wanted to cook, I had to ask for one. And I didn't get them back until we moved eight months later to a, a completely different area. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was it was an interesting experience for some for someone with not I didn't have a mental health history. It was completely new territory. My husband is a pharmacist, but he He didn't specialize in psychiatric medications, so he it was very interesting journey for him as well. As you kind of went through outpatient therapy and you said, like, you moved and all that, how did you start to kind of overcome this to be where you are now? Where was kind of that turning point? I continued the outpatient program and was discharged probably week and a half or two weeks later, I got my own therapist, I got my own psychiatrist, and they always told me that I would be on the all those medications for at least a year, even though every time I went back, I'd say, take me off of them. But it didn't take me long to start. As a nurse, we're always searching for different answers. We're searching for our own answers. So I quickly found other survivors and I quickly found other resources that weren't shared with me, that weren't known by the doctors or by other people. And so I found other survivors. I found other group supports online. And that was five and a half years ago. And I quickly found my voice in sharing my story. I've never been a public speaker never wanted to be a public speaker. The first place I shared my story was in a support group with other mental health survivors, not even with moms necessarily. But I found it very therapeutic to share and also to educate. I also found mental health classes to attend while I couldn't go to, I couldn't go to work or anything. So I found the mental health association locally and attended classes and learned all that I could about mental health that kept myself in that way and started sharing and getting educated about perinatal mental health and reaching out to others. And consequently, because of this, you established, it's a nonprofit organization, Cherished Mom, is that correct? Yes, I did. Two and a half years ago, I started Cherished Mom. Never set out to start out a nonprofit. Again, I never thought I would be in this world, but originally it was for the thought of 
providing a free self-care box in exchange for education. And we still do that, but it's kind of grown to so much more. We provide free support groups, free educational resources, and awareness to the community and beyond. And so we are very much dedicated to educating and supporting moms and families in the community surrounding perinatal mental health. I think that's amazing. Tori and I both have friends that have experienced postpartum depression and some that have even been hospitalized for it. And I know they felt so alone. And even us as nurses, we're like, we don't know how to support you. Like, we don't even know anything about this. So I think it's so great that more education is coming from this. Which is so crazy because we're all nurses here. And it's just, yeah, as Sam said, some of our best friends didn't even know what was going on or understand it or where to turn to. And so I actually love this as a resource even for us as nurses to give to like a bedside mom or anything because I feel like the more resources that we can find out and share, the better. Thank you. And there there are a lot. Yeah, I'm very glad that you're doing this because it is really needed. And we're also really big on kind of even just destigmatizing mental health. And we haven't even gotten into the perinatal aspect of that. And I can say, I think as women, we so often get lumped or categorized into just being hormonal or dramatic or in our emo- just we're touted as these emotional beings that don't know how to control our emotions. And it just is getting so I feel like so many women are getting overlooked and getting these things missed, especially in the postpartum setting. And that kind of just breaks my heart for people going through this because I know as someone who's struggled with mental health, not even in a postpartum aspect, how hard it is to kind of overcome some of the stigmas and barriers just as women. But then this is a whole other ballgame. As women, we get so stigmatized as being emotional. And that's without even being pregnant or postpartum. So I think there's an even greater stigmatization on surrounding postpartum mental health. And is that something you even experience or you see with the people you work with? Yeah. Well, I mean, as moms, like there's this whole idea and societal pressure expectations that moms should have it all together or we should do this and we should feel so much joy because we have this incredible gift of a new baby, which is true. We did that. It is true. But women don't always feel joyful and that's okay too. And there's more women than not, I think, that have anxiety around new babies. And in birth and baby classes, all we're talking about is how to get the baby earthside and how to take care of the baby and put a diaper on a baby. But we're not talking about the mom and recovery as a mother and what can happen and not just emotionally, but there's health complications that can happen also. We can also go into the maternal crisis that we're having in, as a nation, but we don't want to go down that rabbit trail. But there is a there is a maternal crisis. And if we want to talk about that, we can talk about maternal suicides. And that's often not talked about when we talk about the maternal crisis that we are in as a nation. Yeah, I think that's a big one. I know at least we have we actually have another friend, and this is another thing that we don't talk about, is you have preeclampsia. 
There's also postclampsia. Like there's so many things that we don't talk about. We also don't talk about the fact that babies can end up in the NICU and, you know, what to do and how to be prepared for the worst. I've talked about this a lot here is you are you walk onto an airplane and they give you the what to do in the case of emergency talk. And we're not talking about that in the quite possibly biggest moment in a woman's life, pregnancy. Like we're not equipping women with how to mentally, physically prepare for this. It's a big journey. It's a long journey. I mean, I know for the moms that are admitted to our NICUs, they are completely blindsided. They never had any idea that this would happen to them. And oftentimes, a lot of these families are with us for months, up to a year. And that, I would imagine, is beyond like any kind of postpartum depression. And I, I, we know so many moms who struggle through PTSD from NICU. That's a very real thing. And it's interesting because we're even as NICU nurses, like that's really not on the forefront of our of our brains, to be honest. Like we're there to focus on the baby and then often we lose sight of mom. Yeah. And, and rightly so, because you do have to focus on the baby. And but yeah, you're you hit a nail on the head that we don't look at what has the family been through? We don't think about mom and dad were expecting to take the baby home, but now they're going home empty handed with a baby in the NICU. How is that affecting them? Because it's definitely affecting them, but they're, they probably don't even realize how much it's affecting them because they have so much focus on that baby in the NICU. They probably won't even realize that until baby actually gets home and like, wow, I didn't even realize how much that affected How did that affect you being separated from your baby when you were hospitalized? I, physical pictures helped me a lot to be able to show either the nurses that were sitting with me or other patients that were there that were, the other patients were driving me crazy. But anyway, I do make light of my situation a lot. But physical pictures helped me out a lot to be able to show other people and I wanted nothing more to be able to get out and get home to my children. So much so that I think once I was able to remember things and be a little bit in control of my decisions, by the time I was able to go home, because we filled out a daily questionnaire Mm -hmm. and being a nurse and knowing what I was filling out, I think I was able to manipulate it a little bit to make it look like I was ready to go and I knew exactly what I needed to say to be able to get home. And there was even a time when I tried to escape and my husband didn't believe me. He thought that I was relating an experience to my childhood being in the psychiatric unit. And I was like, no, I got my hand stuck in the door trying to get out. And it took getting my records a couple years ago to be like, there it was. You didn't believe me. It literally tried to escape because that was my ultimate goal was to get back at home. So it was, it was not fun. And there's no inpatient unit in the nation that allows your children to be with you when you're like that. So I don't know that I would have wanted them to see me that way, Mm -hmm. but would it have helped me get better? I'll never know. There are mother baby units in the UK that I think we could learn a lot from. I think the UK does a lot more around postpartum psychosis and being a little further along than we are. I think our postpartum care in general is kind of lacking in this country. Oh, yeah. Our country has really high maternal death rates comparatively to other countries of similar status. And 
that's kind of wild to me as someone who works in healthcare. To be an industrialized nation, to have all the money and resources that we do, it's it's unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I it's funny too because I feel like this is just something that I mean, we've talked about this before. Mental health is such on the forefront for us, but it does baffle my mind. I mean, that we're just even happy that we're starting to research it. Like that's great, fabulous, but why haven't we gotten to that point already where it's just part of what we implement? in our maternal care. I mean, even sometimes I'm surprised that a lot of these parents don't even know things like eyes, thighs up for us in the NICU, where like we're doing these things with these babies after they're born and people literally don't know. They don't know what to expect. They have no idea what happens after the baby's born. And there's this huge disconnect. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to me. Yeah. I think if the the, the script were flipped, and it was an infant mortality crisis, mm-hmm. it would be fixed rather quickly. But the fact is, it's moms we're talking about. And bottom line, babies shouldn't be growing up with their mothers. And I think we're talk, starting to talk more about ACEs and trauma-informed care and mental health. What if we put an ACE on there? Did you grow up without a mom or a parent? Did your because I don't think a question is on there is if if a grandmother or grandparent raised you or someone not a birth parent. But I mean, let's think about that because it's it's not okay whether they died by suicide, whether they had another health crisis. It's not okay with me that babies are growing up without their birth mothers. But like I said, I think if the script were flipped around and it was infant mortality, it would be a very different conversation. One thing you did mention is children. How many children do you have? I have two. Two. And was this during your second pregnancy that this occurred? It was, yes. So that's kind of like scary because you think, oh, I've been pregnant before. I've had a baby before. I kind of know what I'm doing the second time around. I know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. And I I thought I did. Well, our second was a very much a surprise. Sometimes I wonder how, how that happened. Oh, but she's here. <laughs> and I did. And I also, looking back, I had undiagnosed postpartum depression anxiety with both of them. I never reached out for help. People did tell me afterwards, I thought you had it all together. Well, I bet you did because I sure acted like it. The mask moms wear I literally have a picture of my oldest on my shoulders with a big smile on my face the week before I had my crisis. We talk about mothers acting like we're fine. And we're always trying to wear the superhero cape. Yeah. Super mom. Yeah. But we don't have to. We don't have to. We should be talking about the the struggles that we have and, and, and facing that reality and normalizing the discussion about how hard motherhood can be and the emotions that we have. So you mentioned that a lot of people said they were surprised they thought you had it all together. Did anyone at all, though, pick up on any signs of it, like leading up to it? Or even the first pregnancy around to ever be like, oh, now that I think back, or they're just all were like in disbelief? Well, when they thought back that I've heard from a few that were like, I should have reached out when you did this, or when I Mm -hmm. read that that you posted this because there were some interesting posts like between now and May, it's always very interesting to see what I posted five and a half years ago. And especially I know Facebook memories are sometimes like, ah, like 
They come up and haunt you. You're like, I can't believe I said that. What is I thinking? Yeah. But it's completely different, obviously, if you're going through a mental health thing than just even your normal stuff. Yeah. Especially the two weeks leading up to, it's just like, oh my goodness, here we go. It's just very interesting. (laughs) You know, what's interesting, Christina, is that actually was a big indicator for my brother as well before, like during his bipolar manic episode was things that he was posting on social media and like how he was interacting. It's really interesting to me that that seems to be a, a common thread. And I don't know if that is, but yeah. Yeah. And, and bipolar psychosis and it, it manifests kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. It's just obviously didn't have a baby before his, but, and yeah. It was interesting. A lot of the things that you were saying, I'm like, that sounds very familiar, at least to my brother's bipolar manic episodes. So it's interesting to see how mental health in general very weaves in and out. But I do think the forefront of having women and maternal health is so important. So what kind of advice or suggestions can you even give to friends or family partners of someone who's going through any sort of postpartum mental health? Yeah. So I think support is key, being a non-judgmental ear. And I know husbands partners can oftentimes want to fix things mm-hmm. but for women we don't need it to be fixed we need someone to listen and sometimes when for me i know i didn't want to reach out for help i didn't i just didn't want to admit it but sometimes not pushing a mom into that but saying there's resources There's this, there's A, B, C, and D. Maybe look into that. Here's a support group. Here's a therapist that's specialized. Here's a psychiatrist. Here's may help. And self-care, I didn't learn about what self-care was until after my crisis. And it shouldn't take a crisis like that to learn how to take a nap or take five minutes to myself. Because I I didn't want to be away. I, I didn't want to miss one second. But we have to give ourselves grace. We have to take care of ourselves too and go by ourselves to sit down, journal, read, write, whatever we can do to fill our cups up. One thing that I tell moms, even when they're pregnant, is write down things you enjoy now because the likely once we have our children, we're going to forget what we enjoy doing. And we don't want to forget that. We still want to have that identity. So let's not lose that. But I think the key for is non-judgmental listening and finding the resources for mom when she she may not be willing to find them for herself. Are there any signs that they should be kind of looking out for or things that they should maybe recognize as someone who's struggling? The ones kind of I mentioned before, if if she's not acting like herself and not just not having a not having a, a good day necessarily, but just not acting like herself for several days or obviously outside. If she's outside of reality, there's no waiting. She needs help. But it, if if mom isn't acting right, if she's, if she's down, if she's saying things like she's guilt, feeling guilty or shameful, or if she's not getting sleep, protecting mom's sleep is extremely important. So if, if that's the issue, we need to try to figure out how to help with that. 
Yeah. So speaking to your medical providers directly, what tips you can can you give to us to help support women for seeing something? Like, do you have any good tips or resources for your healthcare providers? Absolutely. There are amazing resources out there for medical professionals and trainings. One of the best ones is Postpartum Support International has great trainings for professionals. And right now, a silver lining is that they're most of them are virtual. I think all of them are virtual still. So postpartum.net is their website. And they also have a consultation line. If you have a mom that is struggling and you need to talk to a trained therapist or psychiatrist you want to consult with, you can call them to get a consult and all that information is on their website. But that is one of the best ones. And they also have volunteers throughout the nation that can help get mom's resources locally, depending on where you live. And for postpartum psychosis specifically, let me mention this, Massachusetts General Hospital has a consultation line too for women that are going through postpartum psychosis for their providers if they need a consult and it's free. So that is a great resource. I think it's mghp 3eithercom or .org. Are there any takeaways or any advice, maybe even just words of encouragement, anything you want to say to anyone listening who's maybe even experiencing them themselves or has, who has also been through this? I would say you're not alone. If you've experienced postpartum psychosis, I know it can be, it can feel very, very lonely. Um, but there are other survivors out there. I promise. I obviously am one. You can feel free to reach out to me. You're not alone in your journey and getting help when you need it. You should not feel shamed or judged and you matter. So keep fighting and we need you here and your family needs you here too. I love that. Thank you. What about, you mentioned how the support groups and other survivors that you connected with was a big part of your healing and recovery. Can you share where those resources are for us so we can link them in our show notes for people? Yes. So there's a Facebook group, it's Postpartum Psychosis Forum, where there's other survivors for postpartum psychosis. And PSI actually just announced yesterday that there is a postpartum psychosis support group that they will be doing Mondays at 7.30. I don't know which time zone, but it'll be Monday evenings Awesome for postpartum psychosis survivors. Yeah. And for all of our listeners, where can everybody find you? I, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, for on, I usually stay kind of under Cherished Mom. So Cherished Mom Org is our Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn as Christina Delaney and Facebook as Christina Delaney. So you can catch me there and feel free to email me at info at cherishedmom.org. So this is such an important topic and those are such great resources for everybody. So we're, we're very thankful to have had you on today. This is definitely a topic that we've wanted to talk about. I mean, postpartum in general, but just maternal health is a big, big aspect for Sam and I. Yeah. I mean, it's a big part of our career and I feel so much more even knowledgeable now and aware of that yeah. this is happening. Even though it's happened to loved ones, like I've said, it's still definitely eye-opening. So we appreciate you sharing your experience and your just passion for educating others. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. And thank you for having the passion and dedication to what you all do to be able to continue to do it and openness to learn. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for being here with us, you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you are following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Check out that link in the bio. All of our resources, our merch, our vaccinated AF hats, just all of the things you can find there linked in our bio. Bali trips? Yes. Link in bio, Bali trips. Please come to Bali with us. We cannot wait for this trip. Party time. Party time. But like hiking and shit. Drinking. Wellness. Beaches. Relaxation. Yeah. We're just, we cannot wait for this trip. We're so excited. And also, you guys, as always, please rate and review. Download, subscribe. (laughs) If you leave a review, please include your Instagram handle in the review so that we can send you a swag bag of goodies. We've got new stickers. We've got pins. We want to send it to you. Yeah. We love you. We love you guys. And make sure you're following us on our Instas. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A's. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.